This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Good evening. If you love your boxing and your MMA, then this is certainly the show for you. Fight Night Extra with myself and the great Gareth A. Davis, where we discuss all the latest from the world of combat sports. This week is a big one. Our focus is on one of the biggest grudge matches in British boxing history. Amir Khan versus Kelbrook, which I'm delighted to say will be live and exclusive on TalkSport this weekend. Over the course of the next hour, we'll be breaking down the fight in detail. Where it will be won, where it will be lost. We're going to hear from both men on why this fight has been taken so long and if we can still expect both fighters to be anywhere near their best. We'll also discuss the role of Ben Shalom, the young promoter who managed to get the fight signed off when so many others have failed before. And we'll be joined from the open workouts by the one and only Johnny Nelson, a man who knows both fighters well, having covered their careers from the very, very beginning. Look, don't go anywhere. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Finally. Believe you me that this has been on the table for a long time and he's never wanted the fight. Everywhere we go, we, people are always talking about the fight. They want to see me fight Kelbrook. There's real hatred there between us. We don't like each other. And it's all over in 40 seconds. Amir returns. Mouth-watering, exciting fireworks, popcorn. Feb 19th, we'll see what happens on the night. 19th of February, Manchester Arena. Gareth, it's here. I can't believe it's here, but it is actually happening. Amy Khan versus Kelbrook is going to go down at the AO Arena in Manchester this weekend. I mean, there's a time when I was like, it ain't going to happen. There was a time, in fact, when I was not interested. Now, I'm fully 
invested. I, I, I can't wait for it. I, I really can't. Yes, I know both of them are not what they used to be, but I don't care. Sometimes I don't mind a car crash event, and this will be that on Saturday night. Anything could happen. I have no idea what my predictions are going to be. I'll probably make my mind up when I see how Brooke looks at the weigh-in. But in terms of an excitement level from 1 to 10, Gareth, where are we? Well, we're right up there, of course, Addy, up at eight or nine, because mm. it's belated, but it's better late than never. Yes. And, you know, these two men have both been standouts in British and world boxing. Um, when you think back to Amir Khan being a world champion or even being an Olympic silver medalist at 17, 18 years ago, when I first started covering him, I knew him as a 16-year-old when he won the World Amateur Youth Championships. Yeah. And he was battling to get to the Olympics at the age of 17. They weren't sure about taking him. But, you know, he's been an extraordinary character. He's had this rise to be a world champion 2009, 2012. Um, you know, all, all, all the kind of in the masterful shadow of Freddie Roach at times, alongside Manny Pacquiao, promoted by Oscar De La Hoya, uh, the Devon Alexander Knights cool. in the MGM Grand, you know, all of that time. But if you remember, two for two years, he chased Floyd Mayweather around because we thought we were going to get that fight. We wondered if he'd fight Ricky Hatton. <laughs> On the other side of the fence, Kel Brook um, comes up and wins the British title outright from 2010 onwards and he went to world title in 2014 against Sean Porter. We know what he's done uh, in Carson, California. And then this weird period for the last eight years where it's been back and forth. Would they fight each other? Amir Khan always the A side. Could they sort out the weight divisions between the two? But you're right. It's personal. There's animosity. There's, mm. It's one of the big British grudge fights. We cannot wait for it. Uh, Cal Brook told me just before the weekend that he will not believe it until he's standing with the referee <laughs> in the ring with Amir Khan opposite him and 20,000 partisan fans baying crazily that he's really in this fight. When you spoke at the top there and you were so, uh, very quickly summing up Amir's career and his trajectory, it, it's incredible to think what Amir Khan's done. You're right about the World Junior Championships and then Athens Games back in 2004. And then you mentioned yep. Freddie Roach and those fights against the likes of Katelnik and Maidana and Danny Garcia, Lamont Peterson, Canelo. He's had such Marco an Marco Antonio Barrera. Barrera, all that serious Barrera. cut. Yeah, I remember Barrera getting the awful <laughs> cut. What a career Amir Khan's had. And I almost feel like, not that he doesn't get the respect he deserves, because from boxing people he does, but a lot of people will look at the things and say, oh, he's chinny, and they'll look at the knockouts. Amir Khan's had one hell of a career. Honestly, whatever happens on Saturday night, you look at Amir Khan's career and who he's fought and the big nights in America and every British boxer really, they'll say they don't care about the big nights in America. They do. He's had all that. He's ticked every single box and I think he deserves a bit more respect for it. Yeah, and also he crosses over culturally. You remember his father, Shah, in the, yeah. in the Union Jack waistcoat in Athens and the whole family there. And mm. Amir, be, and I've said this before on the show, Amir being a very prominent Pakistani British Muslim. Yeah. Um, and then holding that and his reach into into his you know the land of his of his parents the the fact that he's a big figure in asia the mm. the fact that he's a global figure there's no question about it not a bad bone in his body um he's been an extraordinary ambassador 
for the sport as well. You know, he's been a bit of a, um, a bling merchant at times. He's, a bit of bling bling. You know, his, his whole life has played out in front of us, you know, even to the point where he and his wife did that mini series recently, the reality show of them at home with their beautiful young children. Um, you know, I've known Amir through thin and thinner, through thick and thicker and followed his journey, virtually been to every single fight of his in America, the highs and the lows, his mother picking the spiders off the walls in his room. He's always admitted to being a mummy's boy. Mm. Um, I think his mum's beaten cancer recently. Yeah. You know, the, 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 we, we know his story inside out. And, you know, if you look at the, again, on the other side of the fence, Cal Brook, who's come up just an hour's drive away in Sheffield, um, under the Ingalls, under Brendan Ingle, walked into the gym as a nine-year-old from a local council estate. You know, this is a war of the roses as well, Lancashire versus Yorkshire. Amir Khan from Bolton, very much a Bolton guy. And Kel Brook winning the British title, coming up the hard way. Um, Amir Khan getting all the accolades and the stardom. And, and I think Kel Brook's just wanted that moment to try and show that Amir Khan isn't right, that he isn't levels above him. And it's become personal for both yeah. men. And, 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 and the thing is, Eddie, you know, as a man in my 50s, and I know a lot of boxers who fought 20 years ago, the Bens, the Eubanks, the Watsons, all these guys, they become friends 20 years later. And let's hope these two can settle their differences, duke it out with their leather fists, and then just be friends afterwards. And if we get a barnstormer over 12 rounds, I know we'll pick the bones over what we think is going to happen in the fight. Then maybe, just maybe, there's a rematch clause. We might get a second fight. We might just get a second. And you're right about the grudge matches that we have seen in the 90s and the noughties. You think of Ben Eubank, who are now okay. I don't want to say they're best friends, but they're fine. And, and George Groves and Carl Frott similarly as well. Fingers crossed, once this is over... They can shake hands and move on. Look, we're going to pick the bones out of Carn Brook uh, throughout the show today. Johnny Nelson will join us as well, who was fantastic on the gloves are off, by the way. Really enjoyed that, uh, watching it a couple of days ago. I do want to focus, though, very quickly on the fight that happened a weekend just gone at Ali Pali. It's good to see boxing back there. John Ryder getting what I thought was a controversial victory over Danny Jacobs. Not a robbery, nothing like that. It wasn't that bad. But I did think Danny Jacobs beat John Ryder. How did you score the fight? Yeah, I had. To, I was in the studio, of course, doing fight night with Spencer Oliver, and and I, I, you know, we had the fight on on, on one of the laptops because it was on the zone, obviously, so it was it was online and not on one of the TV stations. But I'd have said that that Jacobs won seven rounds to five yeah. in my book. Um, but you could have argued slightly the other way. Two judges saw it that way, so it was a close fight. It was a close. It was a fight of two halves. Jacob looked. Um, really world-class in the first half of the fight. But, you know, he's 35, Ryder, you know, a younger man. And I think that age often shows later in a fight. Ryder stuck to his guns, tried to get on in the inside early on, um, and it didn't work. But as, he, as the fight went on, he got stronger and stronger. And, you know, I'm pleased for John in the yeah. sense that I thought he pipped Callum Smith up in Liverpool and didn't get the fight with Canelo Alvarez that Callum did get Agreed. afterwards. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, karma, as they say, and uh, he put everything into it. And on his home patch, he got a victory against a guy who I think is one of the standouts of the middle and super middleweight divisions now over the last seven or eight years. Indeed. You kind of wonder 
what's next for Danny Jacobs. Still a name, obviously, in the States, but he's clearly not the Danny Jacobs that fought the likes of Golovkin and Cadello and Derevanchenko. So you kind of wonder if that might be that. But good win for John Ryder, who uh, goes on to... Fingers crossed, have big fights at the back end of 2022. Uh, it was a big uh, combat action. Uh, UFC 271 was on the weekend. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whittaker. Adesanya won it. Uh, some people thought maybe he didn't win it. I thought he did. But maybe that's my Nigerian bias coming out. I don't know. But regardless, he wins. Um, what I do want to, before we talk about the fight itself, I just want to talk about sort of Israel and Kamara Usman. Obviously, now Nigeria has number one and number two pound for pound in MMA, and I can't believe I'm saying that, if I'm honest with you. Having watched the sport for nearly 15, 20 years, I can't believe I'm saying that the number one and two pound for pound are two guys from Africa. And Gano's probably number four. So four of the top three, three of the top four guys are African, which is incredible. It is, but it's also understandable. And I think we'll get more and more fighters coming out of uh, the African continent, Addy, as the next decade progresses. And, you know, we're obviously seeing Eastern Europe being very powerful mm. uh, in mixed martial arts. You know, the the some of the war-torn areas and some of the guys that come out of Sambo and yeah. wrestling from a young age. But no, I mean, come on. Um, look, at, look at football in Africa. Look at athletics that's grown out of the African physique. Mm. And uh, you only, you know, it, it's going to get bigger and bigger. And as these guys... Obviously, Adesanya is a guy from down under, but obviously with roots in Nigeria and very much uh, um, a man of proud African descent. And yeah. I think um, I spoke to Czech Congo, who's obviously born in Paris, fights for the Bellator title in May against uh, Ryan Bader. And he was saying that, um, that, that there's a duty for the likes of Francis Ngannou, who's out of Cameroon and into, um, into France, that they go back to their roots, that they encourage mixed martial arts gyms in Africa. Kamaru, Israel, um, Czech Congo, mm. Cyril Ghan, yeah. all these guys, Francis, they'll all go back and they will influence young men and women because um, let's see some African women come into mixed martial arts. Think of the physique so of some of the, the That's one brilliant... That's don't have. Yeah. No, but we will, Addy. I think we will. I think culturally it will shift. Mm. Um, you know, we talked about Amir Khan's cultural shift for, for, for Pakistani Muslims of British heritage. And, you know, that I think that'll happen as well. I mean, I go back way back. This is maybe a controversial subject, but I go way back covering the Paralympics back to 1996. I've just done my seventh in Tokyo last year. And, um, you know, when there was disability in Africa before, it was frowned upon. Yes, agreed. People thought that, that it was spiritual, but that that's going. Mm. And I think, and, and I think now there is, there is much more understanding of, of of the athleticism of disabled athletes in Africa. And I think there'll be more freedom for women in Africa to take part in mixed martial arts. They're coming. Mm. They are coming. They're already there. I guarantee you in 10 years, half half the best fighters in the world will be from Africa in mixed martial arts. Oh, I absolutely love to hear it. Uh, very quickly, Gareth, did you thought Izzy won the fight? Yeah, I did. I thought he won 3-2 or 4-1. You know, it was an interesting fight. They were both a little bit cagey. Um, you know, it was it was it, it wasn't spectacular, but you know what? They know each other fairly well. There was a healthy dose of respect for each other. Israel um wasn't the 
startling, dazzling, a style bender for once, but he got the job done. He got the job done indeed. All right, you're listening to Find Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we're going to be joined by Johnny Nelson live from the Open Workouts and we'll run our eye over the undercard as well. Good undercard fights as well, by the way. But after the break, we'll begin our build-up to Saturday night and we'll hear from both Amir Khan and Kel Brook ahead of their grudge match. Remember, live on TalkSport. It's real. The dislike is real. The buff world talent is it should be good. It should be a good fight. Look how long Kelbrook and Amir Khan has been going on. And it proved it at that press conference. There's definitely bad blood there. There was you know two northern fighters. No one had to spark that fuse, did they? Khan was trying to be very, very professional at it, but he got to him. Kel wanted that fight, didn't he? 20,000 at the uh, Manchester Arena. It's going to be very good. They've waited for that fight, what, eight years? There's definitely going to be bad blood there. Amir Khan and Kelbrook. They genuinely don't like each other. And when they're giving each other a bit of verbal abuse, it's kind of real. Let's be honest. I'm not saying that they won't try and ramp it up before to sell a few more pay-per-views, have a little pull, a little push at the at the press conference or the way in and they might say something. But you can kind of see that, you know, the, the public aren't stupid, are they? they? They know what's real and what's not real. With Calm Brook, you've got two, at times, elite, elite, top, top level British fighters whose paths just haven't crossed because of ego. You know, they've, they've either one or the other has priced themselves out of the deal. He's come along this fight probably a few years later than most people would have liked. But I find it that it's just as fascinating now for that reason that these guys are rivals with bad blood. That we want we want to see a winner. Like I want to see how it's going to pan out. You've got Khan and Book fighting on the 19th of February. It's supposed to be a grudge fight. They're supposed to hate each other. Well, I think Book dislikes Amir Khan more than Amir Khan dislikes Book. You're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2 with myself, Adi Ladipo, and the great G-Man himself, Gareth A. Davis, alongside me as well. Um, Amir Khan versus Kelbrook on the weekend. It's a fight we've been waiting for for the best part of 10 years. It finally happens. It's great that it's happening. Better late than never, some say, and I agree. Let's hear from Amir Khan now. He's been speaking to TalkSport. I honestly believe and think and probably know that Kel can't take a punch. I know that I've always had that people saying to me, Amir doesn't take the best shot. Yeah, you know, I've run onto shots, I've been caught. But if you look at the guys who have put me down, I've been big guys, the likes of Canelo, for example, Danny Garcia and Crawford put me down. Obviously, I got back up on my feet. But, but if you look at Kel Brook, I mean, a job to knock you down, to hurt you. I mean, he has been hurt many times. And I think the, the way he goes on about it, that, oh, he's some, some fighter who's, who can't be touched, or can't be hurt. I think you'll all be shocked come fight night, you'll see. I mean, we, we, the main thing is, is I'm gonna go into this fight and I'm gonna put a clinical performance on, which is gonna show why I was always a better fighter. I mean, then I think the thing that's gonna be said after that is, oh, the fight should have happened five years ago. It would have been a different scenario, you know? It would have been a different outcome. You can never win in a situation like this, but I'm just gonna go in there and do what I do best. And obviously I just can't see him doing anything in this fight. Great to hear from Ame Khan there, Gareth. Um, look very confident. Almost sounds as though he doesn't believe Kelbrook deserves to be in the ring with him. Like th- there are levels to this sport and he sounds like he thinks he's a level above Kelbrook. I-, I certainly don't think that. And I, I understand Ame Khan's winning the war of words here, um, 
But it is going to be a great fight, isn't it, between the both of them. Uh, what I want to ask you, though, Gareth, in terms of... Look, we know they're both deteriorated from what they once were. Um, Ame Khan, I don't think, has been his best since maybe 2013, 2014, when he fought Devin Alexander, Kell Brook, maybe Errol Spence, Gennady Golovkin time. Uh, who do you think's maybe deteriorated the most of the two? Well, from from what we've seen recently, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll caveat that afterwards, but I think it's probably Kell Brook. Um, mm. And I think, he, you know, he's had the eye socket issues, both with the Errol Spence fights uh, and the Gennady Golovkin fights. Yeah. Um, he looked very vulnerable and fragile against Terence Crawford in lockdown, didn't he, last yeah, year? Yeah. Um, physically, he looked fantastic. So I don't know if you can always take so much away from that. He's got to make 149 pounds. He's a big hench fella anyway. Um, but on the other side of that, and you, so you wonder whether his punch resistance is there. Mm. On the other side of that, Amir Khan hasn't fought since, I think it's November 2019. So so it's, you know, it's getting on for two and a half years that Amir hasn't fought for, and he hasn't looked his best. I mean, his last fight, I think it was Terence Crawford's. Um, he fought, remember he had that fight in... Oh, Billy Dib. Yeah, Billy Dib, yeah. He had the Billy Dib fight. Yeah, but you can't... You can't count that. All right, he had the Billy Dib fight, but his last really competitive fight then I'll put it that way was Terence Crawford mm. uh, at uh, Madison Square Garden I was there that night but we know how good Crawford is that's yeah. the thing Khan very good um, for a few rounds in that fight and then he got you know taken apart really mm. uh, peeing blood till the Monday he was beaten up to the body badly um, by Bud Crawford so um, you know the, the, the thing is they're both in similar states of decline like you say certainly with articulacy and the way he's talking about the fight you have to give it to Amir Khan at the moment. Yeah. he looks the more confident man there's an edginess and a nervousness about Kel Brook um, four years ago I would have given the edge to Kel Brook in the fight I think that's one of the reasons why he, he's he's so spiteful at times in the in, in that he knows that he's fighting Amir Khan very much at the tail end of his career mm. and that he doesn't have the wherewithal, Addy, that he once had. So, I mean, I am, I think Khan is the marginal favourite. But as I say, been out of the ring a very long time. But what I will say is he did a smart thing going with Brian McIntyre, Bomek, yeah. and Terence Crawford in Colorado Springs and, and training with them there and, and, in, and, and in Omaha, Nebraska, he's brought Terence Crawford over with him. That's a smart move as well, because the man that really hurt Cal Brook is going to be eyeing him from Khan's corner. All of these things point to the fact for me that Khan, Khan, I think, can say he, he's he's fought a higher degree, a higher class of opponent in general through his career but I just think it's very very equal now because as we both said they are in similar states of, of decline physically yeah psychologically Khan, Khan's ticking every single book isn't he I mean every single box apologies you're right bringing over Terence Crawford sort of almost with the if you can't beat him join him type thing by yeah. joining Bo McIntyre which yeah. isn't a bad thing I mean we've seen people do it in the past and I think it's really good um, for Kel he almost seems and I'm with you here. He seems quite bitter um, with the, why are you fighting me now when you could have fought me four or five years ago? Why are you not making this fight 154 pounds when you know I'm struggling to get down to, to 147 or 149 pounds? He almost feels like if this was four years ago, you're getting battered. Whereas now he's almost like, and I see it in his eyes and the gloves are off when he's doing that piece. And again, Johnny was fantastic. We're going to hear from Johnny a bit later. You can see it in his eyes thinking, why are you doing this now? 
You're doing it now because you feel like you've got an advantage. Uh, let's hear from Kelbrook. Um, look, he's spoken about Amir Khan and he pretty much said he will stop him uh, come Saturday night. It's just been about being professional. Better, the better fighter is going to win. You know, I've got he's 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 obviously going to have fat, very fast hands, and you know he's obviously been a world champion. He knows his way around the ring also, but you know it comes down to to the mind and to the who wants it more, and you know it comes down to a lot of things. So we just I just believe and I know you know I'm attracting the victory, which I'm going to come in, I'm going to get. Is it a fight you see? Going 12 rounds? Are you training yeah. for 12 rounds? I'm training for 12 rounds. Do I think it'll go 12? No. I don't. I don't think it'll go 12. You know, because you don't get paid for overtime. And, and I'm, I, want, I, don't, I want to have an early night. Great to hear from Kel Brook. Like, I'm a massive Kel Brook fan, always have been. Uh, you spoke at the top of the show, him winning British titles. I remember when, him was, when he was with Frank Warren and going up. And I, I almost thought that Kel, especially when he beat Sean Porter, I was excited because I thought, OK, here we have a British guy that is going to compete with some of the best 147-pounders in the world. There was a time when I thought, OK, he's going to fight Keith Furman. He's going to fight Danny Garcia. Who knows? He could be in line to get a Manny Pacquiao or a Floyd Mayweather fight, or maybe even at the time an Adrian Broner who was making noise. So it almost disappoints me to see where his career then went after that. Golovkin, Errol Spence, you know, in and out of the ring issues. Um, it, I want him to win Saturday because I feel like he would have won 10, 5 years ago. But I am concerned by the way in which he's lived his life outside of the ring and, as you mentioned, the injuries against Gennady Golovkin and Errol Spence. Yeah, I mean, and, and the machete attack I yeah, mean, years yeah. ago. I mean, you know, to recover from that. The ideal time, certainly these two should have fought in 2016. That, that would have been them both in their prime. And obviously, uh, they both went sideways. They both moved up to middleweight. They both made an extraordinary amount of money. Look, neither man needs to box, by the way, anymore. They've got enough money. And I think, you know, if you look at, um, had they fought in 2016, I would have made um, Brook the favourite, mm. I think, over Khan. But, you know, Gennady Golovkin beats Kel Brook. Saul Canelo Alvarez knocks Amir Khan out at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. They're also fights you would have wanted mm. to take at the time. They were fights that could have taken them to greatness. And yeah. for a couple of rounds, Kel did look great against Gennady Golovkin. They were both with Eddie Hearn at the time, if you recall. Mm. And so they could have got the fight made. I remember doing so many stories at the time, Eddie, and talking about it over and over again, that they were very close to the fight. But there were arguments over the A side. I think Kel should have just seeded advantage any advantages at the time and just said i'll do it no matter what i think there's a real danger um that he's taking the fight because he's got to have it because it would have haunted him otherwise um kel can disappear back into the shadows a little easier if he loses the fight i think it's a tougher one for khan because i think we'll hear a lot of kel brook if he wins it whereas amir khan is saying look i'm doing this because i've been forced into it almost He's not doing it because he desperately wants this fight. It's Brooke that wants to prove something, not so much Khan. But as you saw, like you rightly mentioned, the gloves are off. I've watched that as well. When Brooke sat down with Khan, it was personal for yeah. Brooke at the beginning, yeah. but by the end of it, it was personal for Khan as well. It certainly was. Look, this fight has been 10 years in the making. So many different promoters have tried to get these guys in the ring. Let's hear from the man that actually achieved that, boxers Ben Shalom, who said, look, it was risky for both fighters to make this fight many, many years ago. It's perfect timing now. 
I think Kel's wanted the fight for a long time. Ame's been conquering America and there's big, big money fights out there for both of them. I honestly believe there was just too much to lose for either of them. Both of them wanted to conquer the world. Both of them reached the pinnacle of the sport and became world champions. If they fought each other too early, then would those have dreams been of stopped with, you know, where would they have got to in their own careers? And I think when two guys fight each other from Britain, maybe if one of them loses, it limits, limits their world ambitions. And maybe that's something Amir looked at at some points. That will have been something that Kel looked at. And because of the rivalry that's there, because of the direct comparison throughout their career, yeah, I just think there was so much hate and there was so much on the line that, it was easier for them both to avoid it because they were both world-class operators with world-class opportunities always on the line. And so to get them both now where they're both in exactly the same boat, they're both 35 years old, you can see why it happens now. You can see why it makes sense. Boxers Ben Shalom there speaking. Um, a very a very confident young man, isn't he, uh, Gareth? Um, almost some people have compared him to a young Eddie Hearn coming up, and I, I don't really see that comparison. But he's done well. There will be many promoters upset that they've not made this fight. Even though people have spoken about fighters being past their prime, this fight sold out in minutes. It's going to do really good pay-per-view numbers on Sky Sports box office on Saturday. It's going to do really good numbers for people listening on TalkSport on Saturday. There will be promoters at home, livid they've not made this fight. Yeah, I mean, Ben Shalom got the golden goose, didn't he, when he yeah. started with uh, with Sky, with his boxer organisation back in August, or sorry, October it was last year. Um, you know, um, the fact that they've got Bob Arum's top rank as well in with the, you know, with the deal, if you yeah. like, because we're seeing all the, the the ESPN and top rank shows as well um, on, a, on a year, on a, a multi-year deal is brilliant for Ben as well. And, mm. you know, I've got to know Ben pretty well over the last year or two and since he launched Boxer and they had those tournaments. And I think, you know, you, you, they got Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Williams over the line. That was a, a great successful card. They've signed up Savannah Marshall, Fraser Clark. I know we'll talk about it later, but Fraser Clark's one of their new signings, Caroline yeah. Dubois. Yeah. Um, this fight, if you add it all together as a package, the fact that they're aligned as I say, with Bob Arum for the for the Josh Taylor Jack Catterall fight the following week. Next weekend, um, isn't it? Yeah. Next weekend, yeah. I mean, I've just been to see uh, Josh Taylor and Ben Davison just yesterday uh, down at their training camp in Harlow. He looks phenomenal. I, I'd like to say, look at he, uh, to our listeners. He, he's in brilliant shape, and Ben's in his ear with um, sayings of um, uh, Sun Tzu, the art from the art of war, and it's brilliant. It's great to visit those guys. But I think Ben's what Ben's done is he's. He's like you say, he's, 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 he's had a real coup here getting this one, but it's how they're building the overall package. And it's a real rival to, to Eddie Hearn and to Zone and the Agreed. other promoters and Agreed. Frank Warren and his group on BT Sports. Yeah, no, I can't agree uh, anymore because I honestly felt like Sky Sports were maybe not out of the boxing game when Eddie and, and, and Matchroom left. I just thought it was going to be tough, but you look at what they've got in their February schedule and it really, really is incredible. And I think this is going to be massive for them. They're doing such a good job on it, promoting it. We've seen Khabib on Sky Sports talking about it. The football boys have spoken about it as well. So I think it all builds up to what will be an absolutely fantastic night of boxing on Saturday. All right, you're listening to Fight Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll still have a look at the undercard for Saturday night. Gareth mentioned Fraser Clark fighting there, the Azeem brothers, Tasha Jonas fighting as well. But next, we're going to be joined by former Cruiserweight Champion of the World, Mr. Johnny Nelson. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Tried to shake his hand, which you place your gloves are off. Obviously, he didn't want to. I don't think there will be a handshake. You know, he said some bad things, and probably I've said some bad things as well, and, you know, I couldn't tell. After the fight, I will definitely shake his hand, because at the end of the day, I'm a gentleman. It's a sport. We're going to put everything to a side. We will talk, and we will, you know, all the talking we'll do with our fists come fight night. Who knows, you know, what's today is not always what's tomorrow kind of thing, so hopefully, but I just don't, while I'm here now, before I fall him, I don't feel like there will be. You're listening to Final Extra, myself, Adi Oladipo, alongside the great Gareth A. Davis. The big one this weekend, Amicon versus Kilbrook, live from the AO Arena in Manchester. Remember, you can hear the fight live on TalkSport. The main man joins us now, uh, Sky Sports' Johnny Nelson. It's weird, I should really say former Cruiserweight champion of the world, but everyone says Sky Sports' Johnny Nelson now. Johnny, by the way, I just want to applaud you. The gloves are off. I mean, you're outdoing yourself all the time. Like The best one I've ever seen, by far, it's Carl Frotch, George Groves. Best one by far. That's that's number one. Let's forget that. This, though, could be number two. Kelbrick Amir Khan could be number two. It could be better than Dillian White, Derek Chisora. Well done. You know what? When we did this, uh, the, the stuff they cut out was ridiculous. Oh. Uh, but these guys, you got one guy that was very media savvy. He knew the score. He knew how to, act, knew how to dress when... When the when the cameras on, changing from his rugby clothes into his nice slick TV clothes. You got the other guy that came high was wears his heart on his sleeve. He's not media savvy. He sounded a bit like a caveman, you know. And that's all he wanted to talk about. What he wanted, what he wanted to. And and, and Amir was like a puppet master. He, he he drew him in, dropped in, drew in, dropped in. And time of thinking, Kel, he's bugging you off here. What are you doing? But Kel spoke from his heart. He spoke and he was passionate about it. So you know that's what created the excitement. And the reason why I know it's for real, because that night when it's on TV, Cal phoned me at night time saying, did you see this? You threw out. I was like, Cal, we were both in it, man. I, I know what happened. It was so giddy. It was so exciting. He said, he said, I'm glad I said this. I should have said this. I should have said that. Cal was, was it? He was happy with what, what was said. And I'm quite sure Amir Khan was, because Amir was too slick for him, verbally. And, and as long as those two have got to talk to each other, I mean, we'll, we'll have it on it. I know. So tomorrow we've got the the, uh, the, the presser when these guys will be able to talk. So again, Amir will will score. Uh, the, will score that one. I know he will. But when it comes to the fight, that is what says it all. That that will tell us after the first round. You know who's got what, how this fight's going to go. But. Uh, I've never been so excited, so giddy about a fight for a long time. And Manchester is buzzing. You walk in the streets, everybody's talking about it. You know, people you don't expect. And it's just Manchester, that's that city, that's how it is. 
Do you think, Johnny, that you say we'll know after one round, but I have a feeling we'll really know where this fight's going after four rounds because I see Amir Khan being very fast for three, four rounds. And Keller said to me, I might have to take second place for three or four rounds, but I'm going to catch up with him eventually. Well, Gareth, you know what? I think that Amir Khan's strength, he's like Hercules. He's got his hair off, strength is gone. You take Amir Khan's speed away from him, that, that is, the threat's gone. And we saw that taken away from him when he watched Terence Crawford. And for the first time, even before the stoppage, I thought, you know what? I've never seen him look so vulnerable in a fight. Now, that was what? 2019. He's, he won't go faster since then. So now he's got to depend on his boxing skill. He's got to spend, depend on his boxing strategy. As it, for, for, for Calbrook, Calbrook, it's that vulnerability around the eyes. Doesn't mean he can't punch hard enough. Uh, to get that target, to pepper that target, Amir Khan's got to be able to to give a, 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 a Devon Alexander-esque performance where he's fast, he's on his toes, he's moving left to right, can't be pinned down. That's not Amir Khan. That Amir Khan doesn't exist anymore. Kel Brook has got to produce a performance where he's on, he's smart, he's sharp, he's, he's stalking. That time is bang on. These guys have deteriorated at the same pace as each other, but the fight's still as exciting. Now both fighters don't have that same armory that got them success to world level, but they still got enough to trouble each other. And th that's why I wouldn't put my house on this fight. Even yeah. though I'm from the same gym as Kel, I know what Kel's done. I've seen him in the gym. I smoked the Dominic and everything. I wouldn't put my house on it because if Amir Khan can conjure up that speed and that movement, game over. Johnny, I'm not going to ask you who I think wins because that's unfair and you're working on the broadcast as well. I know that you've known Kel for many, many years. What I will ask, though, is that do you think it's a closer fight than it would have been, say, five years ago when Kel really wanted it or even maybe 10 years ago when there was talks about it? Do you think it's closer now? Uh, it's much closer because both fighters have gotten older and slower, so they're going to get hit more. That's number one. Number two, both fighters... The, the resentment has built up enough and, and they know their career and everything they've achieved in this in their career to the general public depends on this fight. Because the boxing, the, the, the boxing fans of us will know what Cal's achieved, will know what Amir Khan's achieved all the way through to the amateur days and will appreciate how good these guys were. But the general public, because rumour has it, this is like a box office right here. Rumour has it. You know, so, so you look at the general public that will see this fight this is what they'll remember. Oh, when well, you lost to Kel Brook. Oh, when well, you lost to Amir Khan. And so both fighters will get hit more because they've slowed down. They'll, 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 they'll work more, they'll want it more because now they're at the back end of their career. I believe the, lo the loser will retire. And I won't be surprised if the winner just said, you know what, I'm out of this. Because realistically, they are. They will be now gatekeepers for the likes of Eubank Jr., Connor Ben, you know, for the youngsters coming through. And you usually get it in football when you've got the older boys that were like skilled top players and then they're playing Sunday League and they resent it and they get turned <laughs> over by the young, some youngster. You know, and, 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 and this is the problem. So have these, these guys have got enough money to to to, to have fights. So you know what? Nah, I'm out of that. I've done my bit. I could get in the ring and want to fight again. Some kid that don't know, know nothing would run rings around me. I'm too old. I'm too slow. I'm too fat. What I'm saying is you've got to know when to walk away. And this fight well, for both fighters, is that fight and an expected walk unless they box each other again. Yeah, it's the, definitely the championship of each other, isn't it? It wouldn't surprise me 
if either man got knocked out in this fight, if it went, if they both went down, if it went 12 rounds, if it was a classic. But I need to ask you this, and it would be remiss of me not to. Does Dominic Ingle really drink the sweat uh, yeah. of Cal Brook? <laughs> now, now, is, now, is that a ruse or is that real? Gareth, listen to me. That's nothing. That was for real. Now, now, now Leanne, our producer, she was there. She actually went outside to be sick when it happened. <laughs> now, she was physically God. sick when it happened. I've seen him do worse. Now, I don't know if we can say it on here, but just imagine what else you can drink Oh, no, no. Fighter. No, 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 no. And, and, and what is it? Is it, is it? is it to show, how, is it to show how much you believe in the fighter? Is it to say how much you believe in the fighter? Is that why he does it? Yes. It's to say how much you believe in your fight. So it's about that, 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 that camaraderie, that relationship you have. Could I see Bo Max drinking a Miracom sweat? I don't think so. You know, I don't think he has that relationship with any trainer. Enough for a trainer to say, yeah, I've got, you know what, son, I believe in you and you believe in me. Um, Whose sweat, who sweat have you ever drunk then, yeah? I've never drank anybody's sweat. I'm just, letting, <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Dominic, Dominic, <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Dominic, that was disgusting. I would never do it myself. And I was actually sick watching it. And I'd heard he'd done it before. And I'm like, nah, he's going to have swapped it over. But then speaking to Leanne, Leanne said, Johnny, I was sick. I actually ran outside and up to and I'm like, ah, just a thought of it, but he did what he did. Uh, you, you mentioned Bomac there. You mentioned Dominic Ingle. Obviously, Amir Khan now with that Terence Crawford stable for at least this fight. Dominic Kelbrook back with Dominic Ingle. Um, who do you think has the better team here? Uh, I, I'm one of. I'm old school. You know, you're with a trainer, and you've got to trust that trainer. You've got to be with that trainer from day one. He knows you inside out. And so, so camp wise, Dominic knows Kel. He knows his weaknesses. He knows when he's trying to cut corners. He knows mm. when he's on top. When he knows, and when he's down, Bomac doesn't know Amir Khan that well. Amir Khan's a, a, a he's a traveller, a fighting traveller, where he'll go from one trainer to another. Yeah. So, so you've got to build that trust in the relationship with your trainer. Where when you come back and you've had an hard round, you're gonna believe every word he's saying to you. You've got to have that trust and belief in him. Amir Khan's not gonna learn anything new in the last three months with Bomac. He might do it for round or two. But you know when you're guessing, when 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 you're really under the cosh, you you go to time. You do what you that you, what you know. So so the best trainer I think uh, Amir Khan was with was Virgil Hunter. But even then, that relationship what he needed to have, where the trainer got to know you, got to know your habits, got to know your family, got to know your kids, got to know what you're like, him, how much you snore. He's never been able to create that relationship with any trainer. So when you're talking about camps. I'm saying the best camp, of course, it's going to be uh, Callum Dominic because I know how important it is to have a coach that gets you, that knows you, that you trust, that you believe in. That if things go wrong, if he, if he thinks of a tactics, you think, nah, that's not going to go right. You don't want to be asking him, uh, how high do I jump? You just jump. You know, that well, to me. Well, I'm going to disagree with you, Johnny. I'm going to disagree with you. And I think it was such a smart move to go over there and train with Terence Crawford, Shaka Stevenson, Brian McIntyre. <laughs> Because they are going to have an effect psychologically, I believe, on Kel Brook in, in this fight week. It may not win Amir the fight, but I think it was a smart move. Okay, so, so, so just me this. So, Bowmack, after, after Amir boxed, Terence uh, Crawford said, you've got no harm. You jumped on the floor. Now, you've gone to that same guy that you know believes that about you. Mm. You've gone to that same guy to, 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 to trust and knowing, knowing what he thinks of you deep down inside, you know, they've got, you've got to have that relationship. 
I think he's proved them wrong in the camp, Johnny. I think he's proved them wrong in the camp. I think they've seen great things out of him. But I'd like to know how Spine went in the camp. Did he spar with Terence Crawford? Did Terence Crawford put him under pressure, tear him up? Or would he would he not let him spar with Terence Crawford and make him spar with everybody else just to build that confidence up? To well, me, that's our question I, for tomorrow. I, 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 There's our I question remember. for tomorrow. <laughs> okay, I remember. I remember when I boxed Carl Thompson. Nazim Hamad had left the gym. He was trying to trying to undermine the gym. He sponsored Carl Thompson's team. I didn't even know that. With Prince the Seam Hammy t-shirts on and everything. I think it's going to do my head. It's the worst thing you can do. Because I thought, oh my God, I'm going to enjoy this so much. It makes the win even sweeter. And that's what happened this one. But Dominic and Cal, they not only get the chance to turn over Amir Khan, but also turn over Bomac as well. So so to me, it makes no difference. To me, I think when you're talking camping, when you're talking trust, when you're talking mindset, I'd say the English one. Johnny, really appreciate you coming on, my man. Thank you very much. Live from the public workout. It's always great to hear from uh, Sky Sports' Johnny Nelson, former WBO Cruiserweight champion of the world himself. Uh, up next, look, we are going to look at the undercard. Big fights on the undercard as well. Tasha Jonas in action and the debut as well of Fraser Clock. <laughs> Scoring about 59-55 in favor of your winner, Natasha Jonas. There's nothing like being boxing fit and I'll get back out there and hit the ground running next year and a big year next year, the titles that I've been dreaming of for so long. It's a moment i waited for a long time. After a long and successful amateur career, this is the next step and um, you know I feel like I'm in the right place now and um, you know the journey starts now. I want to provide a show I want to obviously get the result, which is a win, but it's also about making sure the people that come out and that have supported me in all these years since I've been last in the ring, giving them what they've been waiting for. The anticipation's been built, now it's time to go. You are listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth Faye Davis. All right, let's turn our attention to this weekend's undercard. You almost feel like the undercard's been forgotten because the main event is so big. Big fights for Tasha Jonas and a pro debut for Mr. Fraser Clark. Uh, Gareth, um, I almost feel like sometimes, and as I said it there, the, the undercard can be forgotten when the main event is so big. And I feel like that's kind of what's happened a little bit here. Tasha Jonas, look, we spoke to her a couple of weeks ago on Final Extra. Her opponent has been changed, but nonetheless, she still fights for a world title. We get to see Fraser Clark. We get to see the Azeem brothers. Vidal Riley's finally having a fight as well. I mean, if anyone can make Vidal Riley fight, they've achieved, haven't they? Because all he does is talk about boxing and don't fight, but he's having a fight as well. So it is a decent undercard. Definitely. Uh, you mentioned Vidal. I'm doing, I've done a series of interviews with him coming into this event. Vidal, obviously famous for training KSI. Yeah. Um, you know, out of uh, Stoke Newington and... Uh, um, Tottenham, rather. Um, look, Vidal's fascinating. He's had four fights in his career. He won multiple British amateur titles coming up through the ranks. He's doing it his own way. Mm. He's got a social media following. Of big one, like big one. Yeah. Like a million people on yeah. social media overall. He's fighting Wilberforce Shehepo at Cruiserweight. And, you know, I think, you know, he had his... We talked about this. He had his debut in Tijuana. Um, he's had one fight a year for four years. Yes. Debut yeah. in Tijuana. He's fought twice in Las Vegas. He's been in the Mayweather gym. Um, he's fought once in the Middle East. And now he finally fights in the UK. He's a fascinating character. We talked the last time I had a Zoom with him. I said I've done a series of four interviews with him coming into this. I think Vidal's a fascinating character. He's much older than than the 20, but the head on his shoulders that are 24 is 
it belies his age, frankly. Um, and he's doing it his own way. Um, you know, he's, he uses yoga. He's a big yoga advocate. He's got, look, he talks the talk at the moment. We've just got to see him walk the walk. I'm a real fan of his. But as you rightly say as well, um, Fraser Clark making his debut uh, on this card. I'm not sure who his opponent is quite at this moment. So, um, it's still TBA in the running mm. order. But he, he'll, he'll have a... Yeah, he'll have a simple night. It's a run out for him, you know, after winning Olympic bronze and, you know, in Tokyo. And Fraser's been around a long time, been in the shadow of Anthony Joshua and Joe Joyce before him. He's a big, rough, tough, very dangerous fighter, giant human being, brilliant character. And I expect him to do very well. And, uh, you know, rather like Caroline Dubois uh, last weekend or the weekend before last up in Cardiff, who looked spectacular she did. on her professional <laughs> She looks incredible. Mm. Um, you know, the sister, younger sister, I hasten to add, of, of Daniel Dynamite, the British heavyweight. Um, I think Fraser Clark will go far in this sport. And, you know, he's, I think he's early 30s or 30 from memory. And, yeah, 30, um, exactly. He's, yeah, yeah he's, he's going to progress quickly. He's been in this amateur setup, the English Institute of Sports, rubbing shoulders with Anthony Joshua and Joe Joyce for a decade, fighting the very best in the world. You speak to him. He's like a seasoned pro. So he'll have a few nerves, but he'll have a little run out. And I expect they'll get him out on virtually every show they've got this year. He'll probably be 6-0 and by the end of the year. Yeah, sticking with Fraser Clark, do you think they'll do what they, I guess at the start tried to do with Joe Joyce where they they fast track him uh, you know Joe Joyce fought some really good names very early on in his career and it was difficult to get in fights because he looked so good early on do you think they're going to try and do that with Fraser because as you mentioned he is only 30 you've got some time to maybe sort of to pull the reins in a bit with him or do you think they're just going to let him go I think with Joe, what happened was they noticed um, that his chin is so durable as, <laughs> yeah. a, as a heavyweight yeah. professional that they could put him in with anyone. And he rock and sock and robots them to death, doesn't he? And he, he just keeps thrashing. And, uh, you know, he's not got the fastest hand speed in the world or the best footwork, but he's got a very solid jab. He goes to the body really hard. He's got an incredible engine, Joe. And, uh, and, and he just never stops. He's a machine. And I think how Fraser's style evolves, Addy, is going to be important. And how, how he just evolves into, into a professional fighter. And I think it wouldn't surprise me to see him fast-tracked if he does just cope with everyone very, very easily and he, and he gets up and he fights the, 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 the veteran journeyman who's had 40, 30, 40 fights at heavyweight who've been in with world champions on the way up. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. I want to quickly talk about Tasha Jonas, but I do want to go back to Vidal Riley because I, I find his story quite fascinating. Obviously, this is someone that has become famous because of the KSI. And you're right, he's built up this massive social media following. And we haven't really got anyone like that. I was trying to think of maybe a Tommy Fury can compare, but he's a better, yeah. he's a lot better boxer than Tommy Fury. So he can box very well, Vidar Riley. He's got a massive following. When you sat down with him, did, did it sound like a man that really wants to take this boxing game serious and really go for, you know, a dream of becoming a world champion? Or is it someone that's going to be sort of in and out of the sport just because, you know, he makes a lot of money outside of boxing. No, he's definitely into the sport. There's no doubt about it. He lives, eats and breathes it. And, Good. Um, but he just wants to do it his way. I mean, I've been around Vidal, well, almost, I can't remember when KSI and Logan Paul fought. Is that three years three, ago? Three, four now? years maybe ago, maybe. Four yeah. years ago. God, you know, COVID notwithstanding, it was a couple of years before, of course. So, no, he, he he's... He's very solid on his sports. I mean, you know, it's him and his dad. 
He's got brilliant nutritionists. He's got an entire team. He's not using any of the old school boxing promoters or gyms. It's all of his own doing. The only thing I would say from, I didn't say this to him at the time, and I, something I will say to him if he's interested is, just make sure that you're not in charge too much all the time and mm. that you need to be listening to other people because they need to be your eyes and ears rather than you being the eyes and ears for yourself. But I would say his dad works very closely with him. It was his dad who got him into boxing, his dad boxed. So, um, no, no, I think he is totally, totally dedicated and sacrificing his life uh, on a journey to become uh, hopefully what, what he hopes will be a cruiserweight champion of the world. He knows he's a long way off, yeah. but um, he's looking to show us some spectacular things against Mr. Wilberforce Shehepo. Yeah, no, looking forward to seeing what Vidal Rani can do. Again, someone that has all the talent. We've not really seen it in the last three or four years just because he has been so busy. But if he can get his career on track, then he clearly is a fantastic boxer. Uh, Tasha Jonas, again, we spoke to her a couple of weeks ago. It's a different opponent. She fights Chris Namus. It's still the world title on the line, though, the WBO uh, superweight, well, super welterweight, welterweight world title, apologies. Um, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because this is not Tasha's weight. Um, she wants to win a world title, and fingers crossed she does. She's been very close against Terry Harper and Katie Taylor. But she has told us if she does win, she's immediately coming back that she's not staying, and rightly so. She's not going to stay at 154 pounds. So almost is a must win as well for Tasha, isn't it? She can't afford any slip-ups here. She's 37. She knows that she's at the tail end of her career if she wants those big fights. This is almost a must, must-win fight. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, look, she's gone up three weight divisions against Cristian Adriana Namus Corrales, to give her her full name, the Uruguayan, um, who held the IBF female junior middleweight title. That's what this is, junior middleweight, mm. um, super welterweight, same same weight division, um, from two, 2017, 2018, Addy. So, um, you know, it's she's a very formidable fighter, Um the uh, Bonbon Assassino, 32 fights, tw 25 wins. She's got three times as many rounds in, in the bank as uh, Natasha Jonas. She's got twice as many fights. A lot of her fights have been obviously in Uruguay and uh, in Argentina. Um, but, you know, she, she lost to, if you, if you want to put a, a round of cap on it, she lost to Emma Cozin mm. um, in 2020. She hasn't fought since then. So she's been out of action a while. Emma Cozin, obviously, uh, the lady that uh, Clarissa Shields beat up for 10 rounds. Tough as old boots um, for that Cozin. She did. She lost to Cozin. Mm. Uh, it was for the, for the, the Women's International Boxing Association, WBF. Um, fe uh, female and vacant WBC interim middleweight titles at the time. So it was up at middleweight. Um, she's going to be a, stuff, uh, a tough uh, test for Tasha. She's bigger. She's 5'9", tall woman, um, rangy. Um, I think it's a, a fascinating fight. Tasha's got to box really smart in, in this fight. We know Tasha's southpaw, of course. Um, she looked brilliant against Katie Taylor last year, did Tasha. Um, it's a massive challenge. We had her on the show, didn't we? And she said that she's going to go up three weight division. If she wins the world title, she'll come down again. So she's not cutting any weight. Tough fight for her. It's about outworking this 34-year-old who's got vastly more experience. But I think Tasha's up to the task. It's going to be razor tight. 
But I think she's going to win a world title on Saturday night. Yeah, fingers crossed she does. I think she deserves it as well. A couple other fights to very just quickly mention. Charlie Schofield versus Jermaine Brown. It might get lost in, in this card, but it really is a good English super middleweight strap. And it's good to see the Azim brothers once again, Adam and Hassan, who I think could be the future of English boxing, British boxing. They're very, very good. One at lightweight, one at welterweight. Uh, Gareth, as always, my man, thank you very, very much. Uh, enjoy Saturday. Should be an absolutely cracking atmosphere. Uh, enjoy it with um, the usual gents. What is it? Andy Clark, yourself, Spence and Adam Cattrall. It is indeed. And a bit, maybe a nod of Conor Ben in there at some point. And hopefully I'll be chatting to Ronaldo. No doubt you will. Ronaldo and the G-Man. Should be a good one. All right, this has been Final <laughs> Extra on TalkSport 2. A big thanks, as always, to Gareth A. Davis for joining us. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.